Thanks, Al. Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to be here and uh, for trusting us to come and uh, to share with you guys. It's it's lovely getting a chance to be here. I think I was here uh, one of the first few weeks that Portadown started. I was here leading worship one of the days as well. So uh, it's it's great being back again uh, and just being able to share. It was it was great again for us a couple of weeks ago, even having Chris and Dewey over with us as well. Uh, Chris did a phenomenal job. You all know that anyway. Uh, but uh, our guys just loved having him there. The number of people who have spoken off the back of it. How much they got out of it, but even in terms of of the togetherness, what I'll just shared, I think these these moments are are pivotal and crucial for us, and how we develop uh, this and grow the family together. At the minute, you're on this this part of uh, the key practices of growing the family, and. Uh, we recognize we want to grow the individual churches that are going to pour it down, but we're, we're together, aren't we? And uh, we, we just want to, we want to see that grow. Well, one, of, one, of the, one of the things that you're, you're blessed with and, uh, is, is Al um, and Chris and the lead team that you have here in terms of their teaching ability, the great teaching that you have week upon week. And uh, I, I was listening to Al's podcast during the week. It's one of those ones uh, we, we don't obviously get to hear the frequency of Al's teaching as much now in Lurgan. So I knew that I was coming here to speak off the back of him. So I was sitting listening to his podcast and I gleaned so much off, off the back of it. But it was beautiful. I, I sat in, and obviously I wasn't here visually to see it, but just to hear about people putting down roots and saying, this, this is ours. This is where we belong. This is home. It's significant times. And, and, and these moments, as you put down roots, the thing that I would say is remember these moments. Phil and Al and I, Chris, Chris unfortunately wasn't able to come with us um, during the week before us. We were meant to be away in England. But when we were away in England at a, at a conference, we had the opportunity just to share about the story of Emmanuel. And Phil was sharing about the beginning points of it in his home. These moments that he looks back on in fondness. And do you know what? For you guys, you're living in the middle of these beginning moments. You guys are living in the moments of... 20, 30 years down the line, you'll be talking about these moments to come. Cherish every single one of these moments. These times are special as you as you put down roots, as you establish family. It's almost like what we learn about Mary in the Bible, you know, where she cherished these things in her heart, you know. So and sometime in the future, you'll be talking about the time we were in, in High Street Mall and uh, the beginning points. I remember that first week I was here. It's a bit warmer today than what it was the last time. Last time I was here, we all had our long johns on and our thermal layers. And uh, I think, it's just, does a man still drive past really slowly coming towards the end? Yeah. So you'll talk about these things in years to come, these special moments that you cherish. And uh, these, these times are important. I, I just wanted to continue today, just going on. Um, word that I just felt for today was carrying on off the back of where Al was at last week. So we're just going to be a little bit in Ephesians 4. If you have Bibles with you, uh, you could open up at it. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen, uh, the verses for this. And uh, we're just going to be in the first six verses of Ephesians chapter 4. There we go. We're off the squiggly lines. And uh, here, here's what Paul says uh, in this passage. He says, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, in this word that I mentioned last week, binding yourselves together with peace, that bond of peace. He goes on to say this, for there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. And uh, the word that I just simply wanted to just speak on today, just for a little while at the beginning of this, and some of the things that I'll say just in the introduction, I wanted to go into a little bit as well around the area of discipleship. But the word I wanted to really focus on was this, this word one. I know that I'll uh, touched on this last week, but I just wanted to just unpack this just a little bit further this week because Paul in this passage, he says it time and time again, doesn't he? He says this one spirit, one glorious hope for the future, one Lord, one faith. It's just repeated over and over again. And last week, if you were here, you would have heard Al teaching in this about what happened at the beginning of the church. Remember, he painted the picture of even as the believers went into the upper room, 120 believers went into the room, 120 individuals, but they came out as one body. We looked at the picture of, of what it was for the early church, that they, they weren't gathered in big buildings, but they were gathered in homes. But what that actually represented in the fabric of society, that Paul goes into this, doesn't he? He says that there was slave, free, Jew, Gentile, male, female, black, white. There's no longer any difference, but they are now all one. This is what Jesus came to give his life for. And it's the most beautiful thing to see and understand, true biblical unity, true biblical equality. You see, this, this word one, uh, it's, it's one of those ones as you read it, obviously you can, just, you can just glance over it because we know what it means. It's a number. It's a numerical, right? It's the number one. But the word that Paul's using here, the Greek word, so I'm a, Lurg, I'm a Lurgan boy trying to teach you some Greek here this morning, but the, the word that he uses here for the word one is this word heis. In the Old Testament, the, the Hebrew equivalent for this was this word, echoed, and this is what it meant, properly united, alike, alone, all together. This, this idea that there was a true unity, there was something of it being properly united, this is the word that Paul's using here for the church, that they are now together and they are properly united. Sometimes we can so easily say, oh, well, we're one together, but there can still be differences. This, Paul is saying, is that there was something that was properly united, a coming together of this. And so the reason why I'm putting up this word echod, this Hebrew word, because one of the very first places that we hear mention of this word one in the scriptures is in Genesis chapter two. And it says this, we're going to be talking a little bit about Sister Man. I've heard all about him. There, there he goes. How you doing? The Lord bless him. So uh, what, what we... <laughs> I'm going to be talking a little bit today just about some of the creational standard of things. But in Genesis chapter 2, we read of this. It says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This word, echoed, this properly united, it's the most basic understanding of marriage that we have, and it's this reality. We use it in weddings all the time. I think the Spice Girls sang a song about this as well, Two Become One. You'll remember that one from the 90s, bit of a throwback. But there's this idea that this is what marriage is, two becoming one. Hold that thought and we'll come back to it in just a little bit. As as I was thinking a bit more about this yesterday, just a couple other wee bits that I'd put in. But you know, this this idea of true oneness, true equality, it's it's something that I've felt the last couple of weeks and 
I know a few of us have been chatting about it, but I, Laura and I, she, she's away out of the room now with the kids, but Laura and I, over the last couple of weeks, we've been chatting quite a bit about this. What, what does it truly mean to have true equality in a, in a biblical sense? You see, because even in the church's idea of things, we, we say that we're equal, but sometimes we can still be so keeping people at a distance. Sometimes people that we maybe have a bit of skepticism of, people where there's a bit of distrust. Even when it comes to the issue between male and female, we've been brought up, if I'm even brought up in traditional churches, sometimes because of some of the teaching that maybe we have lived under, there is still uh, a bit of a skepticism again in terms of the division between male and female. So even in the church, when we talk about true equality and true oneness, probably to some people, while there's a bit more freedom that is given towards females in the church, that can gain be kept at a bit of a distance. Traditionally in the past, we know that women have been suppressed by men in the church. They're the ones that do the tea and toast, but they're never allowed to speak. Thankfully, we don't live. We're not part of a church like that. But sometimes some of those old mindsets can be in the back of our mind. On the flip side of the coin, because women rightly so are living under the freedom of Christ and living fully into all that God has made them and created them to be, sometimes what can so, so easily happen is that women are so eager to live now fully into all that God has given them is that they can sometimes suppress men. And really what God is calling us to be in this idea of oneness is that there is a true, genuine equality one with another. Even outside of that, the, the black, the white, the Catholic, the Protestant. Because you see, this is the reality. This is the good news of the gospel. This idea that we are one. And the reason why I say that is this. So we'll come back to this in a wee second. This idea of oneness was a creational mandate. Right at the opening pages of Scripture, God made us, male and female, equal in his eyes. In his image, he created us, male and female. Back in the garden, until sin comes into the world, I, I, was, I was thinking about this during the week. It's, it's this incredible thought. So I'm still in the middle of trying to process this. So if any of you have any other thoughts on it, come up and speak at the end. But back in the garden, up until sin comes into the world, so equal and together were man and woman that... There was actually only one name that was given to creation. While there were given differences between male and female, there was one name that was given, and it was this name, Adam, meaning to be read because it was taken out of the clay or, or to make. And what we actually see is that when sin comes into the world, right, in Genesis chapter 3, when sin comes into the world, we see the result of curse. And what actually happens as a result of curse is that there's a relational breakdown. Follow me as we go through this. Genesis chapter three sixteen says this. This is what God is saying. He says to Eve, you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Now there is no longer an equality and a togetherness, but now there is a division, all as a result of the curse. This was not God's design for us. And then in verse 20, this is where Eve gets her name. After sin has come into the world. Right? So there is a separation. It says in verse 20, then the man Adam named his wife Eve. There was now a separation. There was no longer this perfect equality and perfect togetherness. But here is the good news of the gospel, right? We're going to go back into where I'm going now in a wee while. But this is the good news of the gospel, is that all that was in the heart of the Father when he created is restored through the power of the cross. 
It's beautiful. And I, I could spend the whole morning teaching on this. But just briefly to summarize, here's what the cross does. This is when Jesus claimed victory over sin and over death. And we now live into all that Jesus has for us. This is what Jesus gives us through the cross. This is what we see. We are restored the relationship with God because we were broken and separated from it. We are given again eternal life. We were created as eternal beings. And then death came into the world. But now, for God's love the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. Eternal life's given to us again. We've been delegated authority. Jesus has given it back to us. And now we are made one in Christ. This is the power of the cross. And so I, would re- I scribbled this down early this morning. This is what I really feel the Holy Spirit saying this morning. So to live as one is to live under the original design of heaven for your life. To live as one is to live under the original design of heaven for your life. So as we, as the church, as we come together as a church, what we're actually doing is that we're showing the world this is the original design of heaven. This is the original plan of God for all mankind. That's why as the church, we need to fight for being one. Right, back to our Spice Girls song, Two Becoming One. Here we go this morning. So one of the things, obviously with marriage, one of the things that I enjoyed doing in the past, and I saw in the rollover of the announcements, um, th- this idea of the pre-marriage course. Laura and I went through a pre-marriage course just before we were married. This one, uh, the HDB course, and uh, we're running it in, in Lurgan at the moment. And, uh, and you know, as, as we went through it, as we spent some time going through it, we recognized how significant it was to prepare and be expectant for much of what marriage brings throws up all sorts of curveballs, doesn't it, uh, as, as we go through married lives. Because you see, without exploring and discussing and agreeing how we're going to relate in marriage, it can be a struggle. And we'll just play out what we personally have been used to. You see, Laura, Laura, Laura she's, she's a counsellor. And she finds this time and time and time again, lots and lots and lots of the issues that people are working through are stuff that actually that has happened to them in early life. They say the first two years, two or three years of a child's life is the most essential and significant time in terms of the formation of that child. Loads of things that they are, the struggles that they have and even their personalities and different things are stuff that they have picked up at this early point. So prophetically, I would speak that over the church. These first two, three years as you come together are key foundational stuff that you will live into in years to come starts because of what you embed at this point. But this is the thing, is that what we actually find is that within marriage, we just live out normally or what we've been used to. So, for example, what type of husband or father will you be? By and large, you'll repeat what you've been brought up with. What type of wife or mother will you be? By and large, you'll repeat what you've been brought up with. Some of the questions that get you to explore in this are the likes of how would you use your money? How would you parent your children? Because by and large, you will live out what you've been brought up with because you've been brought up with a normal and you think it's normal, so you'll try to play it out. But you see, here's the thing. In marriage, there are now new parameters and there are new ways of doing things. It's no longer me just doing things the way I do them or the way I've been brought up and Laura just doing things the way that she wants to do them. We, we now have to submit to one another, discuss together and agree what is the way that is ours, not just mine. The church, so the church, what it is now is that the church now needs to represent this. It needs to reflect 
even this, the difficulties and the challenges that we see with the marriage. Can you imagine how difficult it is sometimes? And I'm sure you've, you've been through this if you're here today as part of a, a marriage. Sometimes the difficulties that come up where we maybe come with different ideas or different thoughts. And there's discussions that we have, but as we submit mutually one to another, we, we hopefully arrive at a place where we can be of, of one mind. And you see, here's the thing. The church, the body of Christ, is made up of a broad spectrum of personalities and attributes. People from different cultures, different backgrounds, different family upbringings and life experiences. And this is the thing. As challenging as it is in marriage for two to become one, this is what it is in the church. There are many coming together to become one. Many coming together to become one. It isn't just two becoming one, it's many. So even if you think for this morning and in this church, there are 150 people, 200 people coming together to be one. All of us with all of our own wee quirky ways of doing things, our own personalities, our own preferences, our own styles for things. And now what we are asked to do and what God is asking expecting of us as the church is to work hard at this. I suppose that's the thing this morning that I want to really get to. It's one thing becoming one, but it's a lifetime journey to stay as one, right? It takes work, it takes effort, it takes commitment together to stay united together as one. We are the church and in Christ we are one, but the devil more than anything wants to stop us doing that. So the principles we learn in marriage are the same when it comes to living as part of the church. Again, we all bring with us our quirky individual ways and preferences. Here's the truth we need to hear. When you said yes to Jesus, it was saying yes to his forgiveness. It was saying yes to his grace. It was saying yes to the hope of heaven. But it was also saying yes to being part of this, the church. It was saying yes to committing to be part of this. Saying yes to giving your life to make this thing work, to thrive and to succeed. Not just so that you can be good about yourselves, but again so that the world gets redeemed through the life of the church. That's what you said yes to when you said yes to Jesus. And this is what Jesus actually goes on to say. And so to be part of it, we need to learn what it means to live as part of it and choose to live, not just for ourselves and our own wee ways and our own preferences, but to sacrificially love and to do life together. Here's the words of Jesus. Let's listen to him instead of my own words. Jesus prays this. This is him This is Jesus praying. He's praying to the Father and he's praying for his disciples, the people that were around them at that stage. He says, I'm praying for them. I'm praying not, or I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me that they may be one just or even as we are one. This is, this is the prayer of Jesus to the Father about the, the disciples and, and the, the people that have followed him on the earth. But he goes on in the prayer. So in John 17, that was verse 9 to 12. In verse 20, he then goes on to pray for us. Listen to his words. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. It's us, the churches down the history over the years, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. 
so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Here's the thing. Jesus is praying for us, has been praying for us, is, is in heaven speaking to the Father even in this very moment. That This is his heart's desire that we would be one together. There's something within Jesus that's so longing for the church to get this. Because see, here's the thing. Jesus realizes that a church that is one, that's united in identity and purpose, that's the church that the gates of hell can't withstand. When we are together as one, that's the church that the gates of hell can't withstand. And yet the devil knows the opposite's true. The devil knows that if he can divide us, if he can divide and conquer and separate us in even the smallest way possible, he knows that that's where the weaknesses get in. And that's why we just need to be adamant and determined that we're going to go after this for the sake of the kingdom come in our lives and through us. This is why we'll see in the next few minutes we need to work hard and to strengthen, protect the unity amongst us. And as, as you begin to grow, so and growing as a family, as you begin to grow, this, this is your choice. I, I thought it was, it was a beautiful moment. Last week, as I said, even, even how prophetic this, the image of the wall is, that you come in a moment and you say, yes, we're together in it. Laura and I stood at the front of a church nine years ago and said, yes, we were going to be together. But if we had left it just to that one moment, just to say yes, it wouldn't be working right now. It's great that people have said yes in this moment. But listen, if the church is going to grow into all that God has it to be, if you guys are going to grow into all that God has you to be as a family together, we need to constantly daily be saying yes all that God has for us. Yes, to being together. Yes, to having those tough, open, honest conversations in love sometimes when we need to for the sake of the unity of what this is, for the oneness that God has for us. Because again, that's where we're going to see the nations change through all that God has. So a true community, a true church recognizes that it's that it's one. All I, all I mentioned earlier um, was was praying for this. I think actually it was in the video, sorry, I picked up on it last week. Just this reality that as you were praying together last week, I think it was on your sheet, that you were you were saying as a people you wanted to you wanted to outwork the Great Commission. And uh, and one of the things is post just in the last ten minutes or so I just really wanted to to press into more than anything was this for me is this is what is deemed as success. I, I, I know that success is being good and faithful in terms of who we are in our each and every day lives. But the success of what it is for you as an individual Christian and the success of what it means for you as a family, a local church together, is how you outwork this mandate that Jesus has given to us, this great commission. Growing as a family, the, these are the things that we are growing in. And so what one of the things that I've been thinking about, and I'd shared this a little bit in, in Lurgan, a few weeks ago, is this reality. The Great Commission is a corporate commission. It's not an individualistic commission, right? It's, it's a corporate commission. It's not an individualistic commission. Sometimes what can so easily happen is you're saying, well, I'm just going to get on and do my own wee thing. I'm not going to really worry about the people over here. But what we're going to see just as we go into the passage here, so you know the this probably better than, than anyone else. Jesus, as he's about to leave this scene of time, one of the last words that he says as he stands here on earth as a man is that he speaks to the disciples and he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all the nations, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and know that I am with you even to the very end of the age. This is the, this is the desire and the hope of Jesus because this is how we see the nations changed through fully outworking this. But 
sometimes we just think it's right, well, I'm just going to get on with it myself and I'm not too bothered about what other people are doing. But the reality is this. Jesus gives us as a corporate commission. The disciples at this stage have been reduced from 12 down to 11 because you know Judas has betrayed Jesus at this point. Judas is dead. And uh, it says this in Matthew. So this is the Great Commission, Matthew 28. It says, Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain. Now the next slide, just for time's sake. And Jesus said to them to gather he said to them to gather as the eleven. He's saying, you go, all eleven of you, you go and make disciples of all the nation. Here's the reality, right? And uh, we read this in the book of Acts, and we read this through other historical documents. Every single one of these eleven gave their lives to make it count. What could so easily have happened? What could so easily have happened was that someone the likes of Peter, you know, the one on whom the rock upon which this church would be built, some of the other ten could have been saying, well, you get on with it, Peter. You're the one that's... You're the one, really, that it's all about. Two or three of them maybe could have just gone and taken it easy and allowed the other ones to sacrifice their lives, give their lives for it. All 11 of them, because they recognize that this has been given corporately to them. The Great Commission, it's corporate. It's for each and every one of us. And I suppose the thing that I would just say here this morning is don't miss out. Don't expect or allow other people to get on and do this and for you to just sit on the side and to watch and spectate. This is for you individually, but it's for you collectively together. For me, it's crucial that we all grasp uh, grab, grasp this as a community. And Lurgan, uh, one of the main things is, all he said, I, I focus on is discipleship present. For me, every bit of this, I'll probably fed up hearing me talk about this, but every bit of this is discipleship for me, this this great commission. That's the, these, these four things, I feel that this, this is, uh, these are parameters that I think it's good for you to be looking at and saying, how are we getting on with this? How are we growing into this as a church family? If you're going to grow as a family, this is the stuff that actually is really important that you go after and grow into. You see, what can so easily happen is that we think that success, again, is about the big numbers and about the number of events that we do. Someday, I'm going to stand before Jesus, and he isn't going to say, how many prayer meetings did you run? He's not going to say how many people came along to your men's events. But he is going to say how many disciples did you make. He is going to say what did you do with the words that I gave before I left the scene of time. And this is the, these are the words that are given to us. Traditionally, you see what has happened. Is not, we think discipleship is about people become Christians. And so we just then try to encourage them. We try to help in the journey. But you see, all of this, all of this in Matthew 28 is the Great Commission. And here's the things that Jesus is calling us to do. Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. Every bit of this is what it means to make disciples. Every part of this is discipleship. So that's why, as you've been looking at your key practices and mobilizing mission, that's why you've been commissioned everyone, every day, everywhere, everyone going. As the church, as you come together, as you gather, but as the church, as you scatter, it's recognizing that this is what it means as a community to outwork the Great Commission. Can you be one in mind that Everyone together is going to do this. There's a going that as you go, we recognize that we have all been called to be witnesses for the name of Jesus. Listen, there's some people that are, are gifted with the grace of evangelism, people who are, but we're all called to be witnesses, right? And we're all called just to share Jesus. And so as we go, 
as people are maybe asking about the name of Jesus, we're just not afraid just to talk about him because he's ours. He's, he's, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He's, he's, my, he's my friend. He's, and I, and I want to be able to talk about him. So there's, there's a reality for each and every one of us. There's a going for each and every one of us. There's a, there's a desire and a need to just give our time to the name of Jesus. You're doing baptism here uh, in a couple of weeks because here's the reality is that as being, being a disciple, baptism is a key part of it. There's, there was never a separation, so it was believe and be baptized. So this isn't something you have to think about. If you've believed, be baptized. And I, I would encourage you to do that. And then finally, it's teach. Listen, teaching isn't about standing up in front of, this, in front of a congregation and doing this. It is to one extent. Teaching is just that whatever God has given you, give it away. Whatever the Holy Spirit has deposited in you, give it away. Share it with other people. You see, these are your friends. These are your brothers and sisters. And some of the stuff that God has deposited in you, maybe other people are struggling with or in need of. That's why accountability is important. We, uh, we, we've been saying this uh, even in the Lurgan Church. Conferences won't change people's lives. Accountable relationships will. And so how together will you be as a church family? that you can get together even in smaller numbers and, and share a life and, and be real and open and transparent with each other. Not for the sake of trying to put on a pretense and pretending that we're better than what we really are, but this reality that we need each other. That's why we've been saved to be part of a family that we can journey together because when we isolate ourselves, that's a weakness in our lives. The enemy can pick us off when we isolate, but when we're together, and we have the accountability, that's when we'll grow. And so as you begin to grow together as a family, this is a specific call that is given to each and every one of you. You have, you have an opportunity to begin something in, in this culture and be known from the outset as a church of disciples. Imagine that this would be known as a church at the minute of not just 150 or 200 people, but 150 or 200 disciples. That's the difference. People who actually want to get this and go after each and every part of it together from the outset, that you would grow as a family, everyone growing into this, and everyone desiring to work through it. This is something, yeah, we're, we're trying to press into more and more in Lurgan. You know, sometimes, so in, in Lurgan, the church has been going for, what, for about 21, 22 years. Sometimes when you try to start stuff new, it's hard trying to address something when it's, it's that far on. That's why I'm saying these moments, like you're, you're all up for new, new things, aren't you? That's why you've all come together, for goodness sake. That's why some people have, have left Lurgan to come here. And for the vineyard guys that have journeyed across coming together, because you're all expectant of the new. Yes, you're all in the, in the moment and in a season of saying, Holy Spirit, whatever it is, we're all up for this. And it's great. So in these moments, put down roots and say that this is what we're going to commit to go after together. We're going to give our lives for the sake of seeing the kingdom come. And we realize that how we do that, we don't need textbooks to be able to work it out. We just simply follow these words of Jesus. We go, we make disciples, we baptize, and we teach. It's, it's something simple. So while the call, a couple of lines just in this, and then I'm going to wrap it up. So while the call to follow was given to the individuals, so Jesus called disciples individually. Peter and all he came in and said, would you follow me? So while the call to follow was given to the individual, the call to go was given to the community. So this is the call of God upon you as a church family this morning is go. Go and do this together as one. And the choice, listen, the choice for you, you can't hide behind other people's choices. The choice is individual, but the yes can only fully be outworked in community. 
you each have to individually make the choice, but how you outwork it is together as one, that word that we've been focusing on at the start. I recognize there are different personality types, different backgrounds. We, we all come with different hearts, even different hearts from different church backgrounds and, and things that have hurt us in the past, baggage from life that makes it harder to engage, sometimes because of some hurt and disappointment maybe you've had in, in other expressions of church in the past. Again, there can be a keeping things at a safe arm length. You know, but distancing yourself from the community of faith makes it harder for you to heal and delays you stepping in fully into all that God has for you because this is the body of Christ. The church is what you've been saved to be part of, not something to come to. And so when you said yes to Jesus, you were saying yes to this. Not Emmanuel, but the church. This is the body of Christ. And so if you're saying that you love Jesus, then love the church and love the people and decide and fight that you're going to stick together and stay together as long as you can. I love this quote that says, The church then is not an afterthought in the mind of God. He planned for it in eternity past and provided for it in the death and the resurrection of his son. And the Son prepared for its formation and development by instructing his followers as to their mission and empowering them by the Spirit. The church and the churches have no friend like their Lord. If Christians are to love what their Lord Jesus loves, they must love the church and the churches. And this is why we give our lives. This is what Jesus died for. This is what he prays for, that we would be one. And you know, the, the prayer of today, Jesus today is still, Father, let them be one. And so even as sometimes our differences and come to the surface and there can be tensions, you know, we have a choice in that moment of how we deal with it. We have a choice in that moment that we can allow it to be something that distances us between one and another person in the body of Christ. But the prayer of Jesus in that moment is, Father, would you let them be one? Would you let them have a choice and a boldness and a determination that they're going to work this out? They're going to be real with one another. We're going to be accepting of the fact that there is just rubbish that comes into each of our lives. People will disappoint you. Sometimes even your leaders might do things that will disappoint you or be disappointing, but it doesn't mean that we're no longer together. It means that we can have open or should have open and honest conversation. So yeah, let the church be one. Let Emmanuel be one. Let the church in Portadown be one. Let the church in Ireland be one. Let the church in the nations be one. And daily, as I said, we have to work at this. But we also have to commit to it. As I said, at a, on our wedding day, we stood, and any of you who are married have stood and you've said this, you've said these words, and it's really easy on your wedding day, isn't it, saying the words? You know, you stand and it's all lovey-dovey, looking into the person's eyes and you're saying, oh, for better, for worse. For richer, for poor, sickness and health. Oh, I, yes, I'll definitely take you. And then, if a couple of weeks later, you have your first worst moment. <laughs> Remember what that's like. And in that moment, again, you have a choice. And you see, this is what it is. You see, it's a. I heard Ollie mention this last last week again. Just this idea about how we covenant ourselves together. That word covenant. But when it comes to marriage and when it comes to how we relate to God and how we relate to one another, the word covenant is more than I'll try. The word covenant is for the rest of my life, I'm going to choose to do this. I'm going to choose to do it. We have a choice to make. You see, that's what 
agape love, the type of love that God has for us, is sacrificial. But it's a choice. It's not based on a feeling. It's not based on what's coming towards you, but it's a choice that always gives. And so this is the prayer of Paul. Just we round this up on the last page, and then we're going to pray a prayer. And then I'll hand over to the guys. Paul says this in Ephesians 4. He says, Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you, sorry, I've lost a lot of writing off the side here, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. And this, this is the words I just want to just simply leave you with this morning. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with a bond of peace. What do we bring or contribute? What are you not bringing or contributing to, to this church family? Listen, be patient. Practical words, be patient. Expect to be frustrated by some people. But choose to love always and choose to forgive at all times. Listen, it's a choice. People will rub us up the wrong way, but how do we react? Do you throw the head up and fall out, give up? That for me isn't making the effort to keep yourselves united together. And so this is this is the words. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. We we are one. That's that's a beautiful thing that Al painted the picture of last week. We are one in Christ. But it takes a lot of effort to stay in that place of oneness. We are we are in a battle each and every day where the enemy in subtle ways is coming to try and pull us away and pull us apart and to separate us from that oneness. Listen, we need to be strong together and fight together to make sure that we retain that bond of peace and that unity between us and effort is required. And what I would love us to do just simply as we finish is just to pray together. And then I'm going to just pass over, pass over to the guys. I have, a, I have three slides on the on the screens. I'm just realizing some of the words might be cut off on the right-hand side, but hopefully you'll work them out as we go through. It's what I'd love you to do just as we finish. Can we stand together just as, uh, just as we pull this to a close? This, this, is, this is an exciting time. You are six months in. Keep going. And you know what? It just keeps getting better and better and better from here. And, and how I can stand here and say that in confidence is because if you make the choice to stay together as one, it gets better and better and better. And so make the choice. Be determined each time you meet. Make the choice. When you're at home, pray for one another in a choice to stay together, forgive quickly, choose to love at all times. Let's, let's just pray this prayer, can we? And, uh, and then I'll pass over to the guys. Let's go. Father, thank you for your love and forgiving us, Jesus. Jesus, thank you that you loved us and you gave your life for us. I rejoice in the fact that I have been called to follow. And today I choose afresh to follow you in all of your ways. But yet I recognize, Father, that I have not been saved alone, but I am part of your church, your body, this community of faith. Jesus, you have commissioned us together to carry out your ministry on earth. 
I recognize my need of my brothers and sisters. And today I choose again to live fully as part of this community. Help us in our differences. Help us with our struggles. And in Jesus' name, will you make us one. Holy Spirit. Oh. Oh, wick. There we go. Let's go to this part. Thank you that I have been called to follow and that we have been called to go. And together we pray, Holy Spirit, fill us afresh and send us out in your power. Be glorified in us, your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just pray for you just as the guys come up. Father, thank you for your love. Father, thank you, Lord, even as we've just focused on today, thank you that from the beginning of time, God, thank you as you created the world. God, oneness was your heart for us. And so, God, today we just choose to step into the design of heaven for our lives. Today we choose to step in afresh to the design of heaven for us as a people together, one together. And God, where that is hard and it's difficult, God, I just pray your grace be released, God, upon lives. God, your peace be released, God, upon every person. And God, I just pray your blessing upon this church family. And thank you, God, for every person who's part of it. Thank you, God, for these early moments. God, these moments that we will look back on with fondness, God, and cherish them. God, we just pray, Lord, that as as the guys grow into all that you have for them, God, open their hearts, open their eyes to the fullness of the reality, Jesus, of your heart's desire for the church. And God, thank you for the oneness that we have in you, Jesus. Thank you that we already are one, but today we just commit afresh, God, that we choose to stay as one. God, just help us to make wise choices. And uh, give us the boldness, God, to do the things that need done. Your grace and your peace be released upon us all. In Jesus' name, amen.